Entrepreneur on Fire 760. You must surrender to the miles you have already run. You have mastered your life at this point. You must master expressing it. Mix a little inspiration with perspiration and a dash of Entrepreneur on Fire. Now you have the ingredients to success. Here's the master chef, John Lee Dumas. Hiring? With ZipRecruiter, you can post to 50-plus job sites, including social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. Post a free job at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Zero is the online accounting software for your small business. Born in the cloud, Zero gives you an at-a-glance view of your cash flow. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at Zero.com slash podcast. That's X-E-R-O dot com slash podcast. What's shaking, Fire Nation? John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our feature guest today, Bo Eason. Bo, are you prepared to ignite? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bo is a speaker, performer, and author. He started his NFL career as a top pick for the Houston Oilers. Continuing on with the San Francisco 49ers during his five-year career, Bo competed besides and against some of the greatest players of his generation. Bo, I've given Fire Nation just a little insight. So take a minute, share a little bit about you personally, and then expound upon the biz. When I think back of... of how everything, what everything has led to is when I was nine years old, you know, I drew up a, a, you know, a 20 year plan and I wanted to be the best safety in the world. And, and, uh, ever since then, ever since, you know, that, uh, came to fruition, everything in my life has been about, you know, being the best. Like I wanted to be the best at that. And I wanted to write the best play and I wanted to be the best performer. And that's pretty much how my life, you know, has been. And, and these days, uh, you know, I teach people how to do that. So now I, I, I'd like to be the best at creating the best. So that's, uh, that's where the business has all led me. And that's where that 20 year plan way back when I was nine has led me. <laughs> well, I love it. And we had a nice little pre interview chat, Bo, where I let you know that I was privileged, hugely privileged to get to watch you actually perform that best play up here in San Diego. And it was just an amazing performance, Fire Nation. I mean, Bo just has it down pat. And I mean, I left there just being like, oh my God, why didn't I create a 20-year plan when I was nine years old? I'm so stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. It was wildly entertaining. I know everybody that was there just could not say enough about it. So thank you for that, Bo. And what we're really going to do is dive into that journey that you've been on since the age of nine and beyond. But before we do all of that stuff, Bo, we always start with a success quote and how you just apply the success quote to your life. So I know it's from Teddy Rosie. So go ahead and take it away. Yeah, it's from Theodore Roosevelt, and it's always been my favorite. And it goes like this. It is not the critic who counts. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, and who at his best knows the triumph of high achievements, and who at his worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. 
kind of just gives me the goosebumps right there, Bo. And why of all these amazing quotes did you choose this one? What does this really mean to you? It's always putting myself in the right position. Like I've all, I always think of, um, I want to be the one in the middle of the field, in the middle of the battlefield, whatever that may be. Now, that could be on the stage. It could be on an athletic field. It could be on the battlefield. Um, I always wanted to make sure that I knew who counted. And it was always the people who were in the middle of that arena, not the ones necessarily spectating. Not the ones necessarily sitting a hundred miles away from the battlefield. And as a football player, I always remembered, um, you know, being on that, on that field and then way up in this beautiful luxury skybox, <laughs> so high above the real, where the real battle's happening are, you know, people that are commenting on the warriors, you know, and I always thought that's so funny because they're up there talking about how the strong man stumbled or how the doer of good deeds should have done better. And I always, I didn't want to be in that critic's position. I always wanted to be a player instead of a spectator. And anytime I find myself spectating or critiquing or judging the man who's in the arena, I completely stop and about face and get my butt back in the arena. So, Bo, I love this for a number of reasons. Number one, because I really resonate with this. You know, I was an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. I did a incredibly powerful and difficult 13-month tour of duty in Iraq. You know, this is back in 2003, 2004, so it was the bloodiest year of the war. Wow. You know, I actually lost four members of my platoon, my platoon of just 16 men. Um, so it was, it was a really crazy time where, you know, I was in the battlefield. You know, I was yep. in there, and it was real. Now, one of the major struggles that a lot of the soldiers and myself included had when we returned is that it almost seemed like nothing really compared to that battlefield anymore. Everything was just kind of so light and so fake. And so I'd love to hear from you, you know, someone who's been in that battlefield of, of sports and you've been on that ground level. Like, how do we move forward from that? You know, once our, our careers do end, like once my you know, service ended and once your career in the NFL ended, what do we do to continue to keep playing at that top game? Oh man, you know that that is the that is the question. You know because it's true. I work with a lot of um, uh, ex-military guys. You know, coming out of the military or special forces, and they're so they remind me so much of myself and of football players, yeah. especially um, because when we're done, you're right. When we're done with what we do, what are you ever going to do to equal that kind of that kind of high level stakes. I mean, what, who are you going to talk to about right. it? You know, and, and that's why I, you know, I admire you guys and what you do. And, and, and same thing with players. When players get done, we, you know, we make trouble for ourselves because we're, look, we're trained just like, just like uh, military. We're trained to be predators. We're right. trained to be what we naturally are. So, um, so once we leave that arena, cause I used to, I remember leaving the football field and I would be cheered for, for three hours out there for basically knocking people's teeth out <laughs> and knocking them out cold and breaking their legs. I, people would cheer for that and actually pat me on the back for that. 
And I get paid a lot of money to do that. And then as I would leave the field, this, this feeling would always come over. So I'd leave that field of being acknowledged for three hours for doing what I'm trained to do uh, at the best. Then I go in, I take a shower, I clean up the blood and the wounds. I walk out to the parking lot where my car is waiting for me. And now there's fans out there surrounding my car. And these fans want to fight. And I can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? So I, I, so they're like talking smack to me uh, at my car as I'm trying to leave my workplace and go home. And they're, they're still in that mode. Now, I've got to turn that off when I just got out of the shower. I just got off the battlefield doing what, I, what I'm trained to do best. And now I can't do anything. So someone can come up, take a swing at me, and I'm not supposed to do anything. I don't know how you can survive in that kind of world. Now, you guys, the, uh, the military guys coming back, I, I have ultimate respect and regard for what you have to do because I'm always struck by that scene in The Hurt Locker. Do you, do you remember that movie, John? Very well. Oh, that scene uh, at the end of the movie where he's back from whatever tour he's been on and he's like he's like the superstar over there right so he can detonate these bombs or or you know keep these bombs from detonating and um and now he comes home and his wife says sweetheart would you go in the cereal aisle and pick out some a box of cereal and he's standing there unable to do it so many choices he, he's not playing his position. Us warriors, we want to be on a field. We want to detonate the bomb. We want to save lives. We want to, we want to do some good. And we're no good to ourselves when we have to do mundane things like pick out cereal. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I, this is one of my main missions in life is the, the thing that I was trained at and the thing that you were trained at to be the best in the world at is really valuable in the civilian world if we can channel it. Because what you've been trained at and what I've been trained at is we can put up with we can put up with a lot of crap. Yeah. And we're not uh, like I think that uh, the amateur world uh, or a lot of the civilian world is advertised to in a way that says, "Hey, uh, do this and you'll have luxury and ease." Uh, but for you and me, we were never promised that. We were trained to have to put up with more crap, put up with pain, and keep going because the ultimate objective was we had to win or we were out of there. We were done. So um, being that we can put up with that kind of stuff, like this work ethic that you have to have, the training that we've had is that you can't put a price tag on the training that we've had. No. Um if we can bring that to this world and treat and, and train civilians and, and everyday people like entrepreneurs, for example, that look, you have to be able to battle. You have to be able to fight. You have to be able to get up one day after another and put up with crap and have the work ethic to keep this fire going. That is the lesson we, you know, we have to teach people. And look, I mean, I know that a lot of ex NFL players struggle. Yeah. We do because we're, and, and I know that you guys struggle we because do. look, we're, it reminds me of, do you ever seen the movie Patton? 
Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I, one of my favorite movies, George C. Scott won the Academy Award for playing George uh, uh, for playing uh, uh, General Patton. And it's such a good movie. Um, but he has this one line in the movie where he says, um, a whole world at war and I'm left out of it. God would not allow this to happen. I will be allowed to fulfill my destiny. So we're, we're trained as warriors and that is our true nature. And there's a lot of nobility there. We just have to find a platform to put that warriordom because if you and I don't find a platform like this podcast or a stage, for example, or writing or performing for me, I will hurt myself and somebody else. And so, and you probably would too, because that's what we're trained to do. It's so true, Bo. It's so true. And the words that I really just want to dive into real quick here, because they're so powerful that you said before we kind of lose grip on this, is that if you can channel it. If yeah. you can channel it. And, you know, for me, Bo, with Entrepreneur on Fire at 32 years old when I launched, which was two years ago, I finally found that channel that I could yeah. actually channel it into. And then within two years, I've turned Entrepreneur on Fire into a multi million dollar business because I found my channel. But, Bo, the reality is for the six years prior, my post military six years, I struggled. You know, I went to law school and I dropped it after one semester. I was in corporate finance in a cubicle and I had to burst out and, you know, I left just after a short time there. Then residential and then commercial real estate. I was just failing, failing, failing. And I was quitting, quitting, quitting because I wasn't able to find my channel. So that's my question to you, Bo. I really want to have you tell a story to our listeners, the Fire Nation, of a time that you struggled, of a time that maybe you even failed, like all those multiple failures that I had over those six really difficult years. But do you have one story that you can tell that would really impact our listeners and we could really pull some lessons from? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when I, uh, I remember the last game that I, that I played, I was being wheeled off of the field because I had blown my knee and broke my ankle and my leg on this particular play. And this was to be my seventh knee surgery at the age of 27. So, you know, it's pretty much over at that point. And I remember being wheeled off the field and I was looking up into the crowd and I swear that I, all I could think of was, oh my God, what am I going to do now? Because what I was trained to be was really great at one thing. And that one thing was not legal in the civilian world. (laughs) So I swear, this is the vision as I'm being wheeled off the vision I had for myself. What am I going to do next? The vision I had was I'm going to, I, I, I saw myself in an orange jumpsuit and I go, I'm going to prison. Wow. Because what I do best. What I do better than anybody on the face of the earth is not legal outside of this, these white lines. And the very next moment, the very next moment, all I could think of was a stage. I had a vision of a stage, a platform. So uh, um, it didn't matter that it was a, it was like a theater stage, but it didn't matter that it was a theater stage. It mattered that it was a platform for me to express myself physically. So I had two choices. I, I, I could choose the orange jumpsuit, um, or I could put all of that energy, all that training, all that TNT that I feel inside my body wanting to communicate and wanting to express itself. If I could put that on a platform, 
channel it onto a stage, I figured to myself, people would pay a lot of money for that. Yeah. Not only that, I could avoid prison at the same time, which is you know, two good things. <laughs> That's a pretty good combo, Bo. And I just, I just love these stories that you tell. And again, you know, it brings me back to being in that audience and to seeing you on stage and to seeing you just so alive sharing that. Like I can see that you fulfilled that destiny that you saw, not the orange jumpsuit destiny, but the being on stage destiny where you were being wheeled off the field saying, what am I going to do? You saw that stage, you clung to it, you drove towards it. And, you know, here you are today. So my next question to you is this. We love sharing that aha moment here on Entrepreneur Fire, that epiphany that you had, that light bulb that went off. And of course, Bo, you've had many, many hundreds, if not thousands of these epiphanies. But Take us to one that you think would be a powerful story. Tell us that story, and then let's walk through the steps you took, Bo, to turn that idea into success. I trained my butt off like, uh, um, to be good on stage. So I got really good at it, and I, I spent more time on stage than anybody I knew. And yet I wasn't getting to play the roles that I wanted to play because they were going to famous people, you know, people with big names and box office credibility right. that I didn't have, but I was good, but I didn't have the name. And so I'll never forget this. I just, I, I went uh, to every kid in my class. I was taking these performance classes, acting, writing, improv, anything I could take. And it was in New York city. I went to every uh, person in my class and I said, who is the best stage performer of our time. Who is that? And all of these kids in the class said, oh, this was about 1990. Everyone said, oh, that's Al Pacino. He's the best stage performer of our time. I said, cool. Where is he? And they were all laughing. They're like, well, what do you mean? He's Al Pacino. He's probably you know doing a movie or a play somewhere. I said, no, no. It, it, I want what he's got. Um, and the only way I can get it is to talk to the guy who's actually holding the mantle. Right. How, how do I get a hold of this guy? And everyone said, you can't, you can't. And I'm not kidding you, John. Within three days, I was at Al Pacino's house. Wow. I was at Al Pacino's house. And he came walking out of the house. And I got out of this car. And he said, Bo, welcome. I'm Al Pacino. I was like, yeah, really, man. This is the godfather. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> And he, I said to him, I go, look, uh, thank you for seeing me. Um, um, I want what you got. Everyone in my class tells me you're the best. I want that. Can you tell me what to do to take that mantle from you? He goes, <laughs> he goes yeah, I can tell you. But I can also tell you that that's going to take, you know, 15 years. And I said, that's cool because I, I work good in those kind of timelines. <laughs> <laughs> so... So um, we went inside. We started playing pool. And for three hours, I asked him every question. And he broke down my next 15 years. He told me exactly what I was going to have to do to take his mantle in 15 years. And basically, what he told me was I was going to have to be on a stage, have my butt on a stage more than anybody else in the next 15 years. And I was going to have to say the greatest words that have ever been written. I was going to have to say the great classics, the Shakespeare, uh, uh, great literary works. I was going to have to say those words were going to have to come out of my mouth, and I was going to physically have to embody those for these 15 years. I said, cool. 
And another thing he told me, he said, you should write your own vehicle so that you own it, so that no movie star can take your role. It's yours. You own the property. You, it's from your mouth. You get to say the words. You get to say who gets to play that part. And right then, I said, I am going to take my life into my own hands for the first time. No one else is going to decide what my job, if I'm going, if they're going to hire me or not, I'm going to hire me. I'm going to write the role. I'm going to play the role and they can't get rid of me. <laughs> and for, and that moment, uh, when he told me that I walked out of there and I said to him, um, thanks Al for this, man. I can't thank you enough. I go, I bet you a uh, performers come to you all the time wanting this from you. And he said, actually, you're the first. Wow. Yeah. He said, most performers come to me and they want me to introduce them to my agent or get them in a movie or they want to be famous, but they never want to be the best. And, and they never want to run the miles that it takes to be the best. And he said, you're the first. So, so cut to 15 years later, John, 15 years later, I'm on a Broadway stage. I'm in a play that I wrote and that I'm the only guy in. And it's opening night and the critics are in the audience and it's a New York house and I'm nervous. And I go out and I start performing this one man show, Run to the Litter, the one that you saw in San Diego. So I'm out there performing the play and about 10 minutes into the play, I make eye contact with a guy in the fifth row and he's sitting right on the aisle and it's Al Pacino. (laughs) And he, I hadn't seen him for 15 years other than, you know, seeing him in movies and stuff. But I hadn't talked to him. I look at him. All he does during the play is he makes eye contact with me for the split second and he nods his head. And that was the greatest moment that I've ever had. That was the best critique I ever had of my performance. Just one little nod from Al Pacino. Did you miss a little beat when you were there and you got that nod or were you just energized by it and just you built upon it? I was like, well, it, for one, I'm saying the word. It's so funny because you're having an out-of-body experience. Right. Because I'm saying the dialogue of the play, right? But at the same time, I'm going, damn, that's Al Pacino. <laughs> and he just nodded at me. <laughs> so you're in two places at once, which uh, probably isn't great for performance, but it was just one of those moments. And I swear, since that day, no matter what I run into, I if I want something, I go to whoever is the best in the world at that thing, and I ask them, how can I be that? How can I have what you have? Because what I found, John, is the person in second place or third place, they're not generous. They won't tell you what it takes. But the guy in first place or the gal who's number one, they will tell you. Isn't that crazy? That is fascinating, Bo. And there's a great quote that just pops in mind here when you keep saying these things because it's so powerful. And that's, there's no traffic jams on the extra mile. Al Pacino knew that so many people were not willing to do that extra mile. They wanted that shortcut to that agent or that introduction or to that great movie. Oh, yeah. But you, Bo Eason, were willing to go that extra mile. And he was like, you're the only person on this extra mile. That's why we're playing pool right now. I mean- That's insanity. And Bo, let's bring things to present times and talk about you today because you have a ton of exciting things going on. What is the one thing you want to share with Fire Nation that has you most fired up right now? I've had events. I speak all over the world. I train 
corporations. I tra- train individuals uh, about their story, about their specific story. And, and going back to what you and I were talking about earlier with the, with the military guys and with the, with the ex-NFL players, they just like every person in this world, everyone's got this unique story. And I believe that it's your most powerful asset. That, that, that story, whatever got you this far, there were some defining moments. Whatever it is, that is your most valuable asset that you've got. And if you don't lead with that, then that is a shame. And, and then you're, 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 you're depriving the world of something that only your feet have walked, miles that your feet have walked and, 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 and things that your eyes have seen. And so I train uh, a lot of people uh, with their story. I do a, uh, an event called Personal Story Power Event, and I do it twice a year down in La Jolla, down in your neck of the woods. But, you know, lately I have been so excited because as entrepreneurs, everyone listening on this podcast, there is one thing that we all have a chance to get paid for and a lot, a lot of money for like the margins, uh, for, for this particular item it are the, is the highest. And we get to get paid for the very thing that we're obsessed with, like been, been, been obsessed with our whole life with a thought or a concept. And we, it keeps recurring and it keeps banging us over the head. In fact, um, most people say that I'm haunted by this idea and, and, and it's what I'm, it's what I'm best at. And it is this concept of being the best. I, I've always had this ever since I was a kid. My dad for, for you, you know, the place. So my dad, I'm the youngest of six kids. He woke us up every morning, all six of us by rubbing our backs every individually. He'd rub our backs when we were asleep at five in the morning and he would cuss. Uh, like most dads of that generation, <laughs> and he would tell us we were the best. He would rub my back and he would tell me I was the best, and then he'd drop a few expletives just to give it punctuation. <laughs> right. And I grew up hearing that, and I was embarrassed the first 14 years. I was embarrassed that he was saying this. I didn't know who he was talking to most of the time. Um, and then one day I just kind of surrendered to, okay, maybe I am the best. Maybe he is right. And so I've always been obsessed and haunted by this idea of what it takes to be the best in the world at a thing. And that thing is, is whether it was being the best safety in the world or the best stage performer in the world or the best playwright in the world or the best speaker in the world. It doesn't matter the discipline. All I know is what, what has been constant is this idea of being the best. And what I've learned is there are certain principles that I've had to follow. Uh, to be the best at these different, you know, seemingly different uh, disciplines. And it always takes that declaration of being the best and then living into the declaration, actually running the miles to fulfill on, on that, on that, um, on that dream, on that, on that uh, uh, decision. And that's, I'm really excited about that now because I get to train people how to be the best. And their story is obviously a part of that. You, you have to be able to tell your story and the vision you have for the world to be the best. But I, I, I just love, I love that all of us on this call, including you and me, get to, um, 
capitalize and help this world and actually make money doing it by the very thing that we've been obsessed with our whole lives. <laughs> I think that is like the coolest thing where other people who work for corporations or work for, you know, governments and stuff like that, they have to follow certain protocol. So they can't capitalize on what they've been obsessed with. They can't capitalize on, on what has this, what, what concept has haunted them their whole lives. But you and me, we get to write books about it. We get to make podcasts about it. We get to create businesses based on training people on that very notion that we've been obsessed with our whole life. I think that is very cool. And that's what I'm most excited about. <laughs> well, Fire Nation, you can hear that with every fiber of Bo Eason's being, he is passionate. He is exuding this excitement on just that, that we can make a living, that we can make you know an incredible empire off of that which excites us most. And Fire Nation, personal story power event right here in La Jolla, boeason.com slash event. Check it out. I think the next one's this coming April 24th, Bo? Yes, that's right. We do, oh. three day, we do three days in the theater down there in La Jolla, and we get your story up on its feet, <laughs> and it, it, it's amazing. Oh, and it's a beautiful theater. And guys, La Jolla in April, like, hello, like, it's the time to be here. Not that there's ever a bad time to be in San Diego, but that's I mean, true. specifically April, if you're from somewhere in the north, because that's not that awesome up there. And Bo, we are about to enter the lightning rounds, but before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. As much as we travel for conferences and other types of business opportunities, it's nice to have the right types of software in place that can help us work efficiently, even when we're on the go. This is especially true when it comes to our finances. Introducing the online accounting software and platform for your small business, Zero. That's X-E-R-O. Zero covers all the bases. So whether you have a brick and mortar business or an online business, Zero can help. Plus, Zero was born in the cloud, so you can access your accounting anytime anywhere. They're even available across all operating systems, Mac, PC, iOS, and Android. With over 350 best-in-class business tools that allow you to process mobile payments, help you with cash flow management, and much more, what's not to love? Sign up for your free 30-day trial at zero.com slash podcast. That's X-E-R-O dot com slash podcast. Special bonus, Zero will randomly select five people per month who sign up for a trial to receive a mystery box of goodies from a business that already swears by zero. Are you looking to grow your team, maximize your time, and start putting systems in place that will help you run your business most efficiently? I know firsthand that growing a team isn't easy, especially when everyone's seeking out the best candidates. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 50 plus job sites, including Craigslist and social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. With an interface that's easy to use and that tracks all of your job posts and all of your candidates, you'll be growing your team in no time. Plus, it's easy to find your best candidates because ZipRecruiter.com will automatically highlight them for you. Try ZipRecruiter to find out why they've been used by over 200,000 businesses. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Again, try ZipRecruiter for free. You must go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Bo, 
Welcome to the Lightning Rounds, where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Okay, good. Sounds good. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Having to be the voice, being the leader, you know, having to be the lead. I always like being second, second position so someone else could lead, but <laughs> I, I, I used to like that, but now... And now I like being the leader. I like being the voice and the face and the, you know, the, the brand, the, the entrepreneur. So yeah, it was fear of being number one. And, you know, once I gave myself permission to be number one, it's all been smooth. It's all been great. Love it. But what's the best advice you've ever received? It is one thing to study war. It is quite another to live the warrior's life. Wow. Love that. Bo, share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. I don't go away. Like you, I'm hard to get rid of. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I, I want to be the best at whatever I, whatever I choose and I'm never going away. Like I, I, like my son, he wants, he's seven years old. He wants to play in the NBA and the NFL. And I said, oh, cool. and so instead of saying that's going to be tough, son, I go, okay, we can do it. It's going to be hard, but we can do it. The main thing that he needs to know is that, um, I always tell him this every day. I go, look, the only way out of this, the only way that's not going to happen for you, given the time we have, uh, is you're going to have to quit. You're going to have to quit. And that's the only way out of this dream that you have. Wow. So you're going to have to quit. So that's the one thing. I just want to know that the only way that I'm not coming through for myself or anyone's not going to come through for themselves, they're going to have to stop. They're going to have to quit. That's the only way you can't have what you don't, you know, that's the only way you can't have your dreams is you're just going to have to stop. You're going to have to, you have to quit. Bo, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with our listeners? Yeah, you know who I always end up, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on the internet, but when I do, I always find myself on Stephen Pressfield's site. Oh, do you know Stephen Pressfield? He's my favorite author. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Because me too. Like the people that I work with, that's mandatory reading. I get yes. them all his books, you know, uh, The Warrior Ethos and, and uh, Turning Pro and The War of Art. I love this guy. And I've never met him. We're, we're, we're trying to meet each other. But I always find myself on his site, uh, his blog, yeah, and reading his stuff. I, I just it. Once you read a couple sentences of his, I'm right back. He has righted my ship, and I'm back to work. <laughs> yeah, and that book specifically that I loved is "Do the Work." I mean, it could oh, yeah. be more simple. In yeah. Bo, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be, and why? Wow, that would be the War of Art. That that Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, not the Art of War. The War by Sun Tzu. Yeah, that's Sun Tzu, which is a great book too, and many years old, obviously, yes. uh, thousands of years old. But Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. It is what we are all facing these days. Is this resistance, and it's all around us. It's it's surrounding us and stifling sometimes. I, I've had that book for 15 years. I got one of the first copies. Um, I read a page of that every single day for the last 15 years because anytime I get off course, which is every day, every right. day I'm going to fall off course at one point or another. I pick up that book. I read a paragraph or a page if need be. And I'm right back in the mix. <laughs> and that's, you know, I think that is the key to our life. We're off, we're off course 99% of the time. Right. We have to find a writing mechanism 
that gets us back into the fight. It's just like a corner man. When you go over to the corner and you're bleeding, he sews it up. He throws your ass back in the ring. You know, <laughs> I need that. We need to be thrown back in that ring and you need a, a self-writing mechanism. And that book does it for me, War of Art. Love it. Well, Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get this book for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Bo, this next question's the last of the lightning rounds, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you, Bo Eason, do in the next seven days? The first thing that hit me was I would write a story. Now, whether that, that could end up being a short story, it might be a play, it might be a movie, it might be a book, but I would write a story. And that story, in, I can do that in seven days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that I would write a story and I would own the story. I Listen, everybody, I want you to own your own story. I want you to choose you, you know, don't wait for other people to choose you. You choose you. You write the story. You express that story. Then watch people follow you. Mm, love that, Bo. And let's end today literally on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, then we'll say goodbye. Piece of guidance I would give to you is you must surrender and surrender is the correct word here. You must surrender to the miles you have already run. You must surrender to the miles you have already run. You have mastered your life at this point. You must master expressing it. So it's a surrender to the miles you have already run. You are a once-in-a-lifetime phenomenon. You must tell that story. You must share that with the world. BoEason.com is uh, my website. That is the best way uh, to get a hold of me, to get a hold of my work, to stay in contact with me. Um, I'd love to help any of you um, and all of you uh, who need anything. Uh, I'm in your corner along with John. Yes. About, you know, look, this is what the world needs more of is people who are on fire and people who have the ability to express it, who, to express their uh, uh, their company and their brand and their story so that it can impact the world. Don't leave that on the sidelines. If you do, if you do leave that on the sidelines, then shame on you. That's your responsibility. That's your God-given right is to express the miles that you've already run. What do you have to give to this world? What are you going to give us? How are you going to make it better for us? Don't leave that on the sidelines. Play with that. Leave that out in the playing field and see where the chips fall. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with Bo Eason and myself today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Bo in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up. And Fire Nation, if you're ready to learn how to tell your story, boeason.com slash event. This April 24th in La Jolla, I'm looking at La Jolla out my window right now, Fire Nation. It's beautiful. (laughs) 
be there. Check it out. It's an amazing event. I have no doubt. Um, just having talked with Bo and seeing him on stage, there's zero doubt this is going to be a mind-blowing event. And Bo, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Uh, it's great, John. Thank you guys so much. Fire Nation, I've launched another daily show. I know, but I love podcasting. It's called Quotes on Fire, and it's a a seven-day-a-week podcast where I share a quote from history's greatest entrepreneurs in a killer resource. Check it out in iTunes or at qofire.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.